0: Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Draw your attention to the book of Jonah, uh, the first chapter. Book of Jonah, the first chapter. I want to read to you just six simple verses, and then we're going to skip on over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse 19, but Jonah, Jonah chapter one. I'm, I'm hoping that you're writing down these scriptural references because you're going to want to go back and reread it when you get home. I just, I think the better notes you take, the better spot you get in heaven. That's just, that's true. It's in the Bible where right between Genesis and revelation, it's in there. So just let me encourage you to just take notes, take notes. Jonah chapter one, Verses 1 through 6. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. To get away from the Lord. Other translations say to try to get as far from God as he possibly can. He tried to get away from from God. But here's what we know. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the valleys or the depths of the earth, you are there. there. There's nowhere that I could go on this earth that would allow me not to be in your sight. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found the ship leaving to Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. Verse four. Let's just read that. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart leave that there for a second go back for me thank you but the lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing the lord caused a violent storm you want to mess with someone's theology but the lord a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent so- storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Other translations say, but God sent a huge storm. But God sent a mighty storm, a raging storm, a, a great storm. Verse 5. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods, lowercase g, for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. For real, Jonah? Next verse. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare us our lives. How can you sleep at a time like this? How can you sleep at a time? Some of you are about to be woken up. How can you sleep at a time like this? Some of you are attempting to sleep when you should be woke. How can you sleep? like this Some of you are sleeping hoping to find a rest but heaven How can you sleep at a time like this What time is it It's It's 2019 It's a phenomenal year, an opportunity for God's presence to show up in a mighty and beautiful way in Embassy City Church. And he wants to grow his church and he wants to see the lost saved and he wants to see the saved disciples. And he wants to see communities transformed all by using an incredible community like this one. And yet you sleep. How can you sleep at a time? Like this. Can we skip on over to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 19? 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize? (laughs) I just love saying it like that. Don't you get it? Don't you know? Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. You thought you owned you. You don't belong to your self. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So you must honor God. Must honor God so you must honor God with your body. I'll take the next few moments and because we have no services after this I'm gonna just preach so I might go three four five hours I'm just playing would anybody be good with that though just real quick anybody I love it they're real Pentecostals right there the rest of you are like I'm giving you 35 minutes and then I'm done My people, though, that's how I grew up. You'd have intermission and then come back. You know what I mean? (laughs) I want to preach to you from this idea. I want you to write this down. Some storms you can stop. Some storms you can stop. Write that down. Some storms you can stop. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Some storms you could stop. Thank you. Anyone here familiar with the term good help is hard to find? Has anyone heard this before? Has anyone ever found this to be true? right you have an expectation of a certain company organization or relationship and then when you get around them and the time and place happens they do not meet your expectation they thought you thought they were going to do something for you you thought they were going to meet a need you thought they were going to provide the help but yet they did not good help is hard to find are we okay with agreeing that that's a true statement good help is is hard to find i found this to be true at one time just a few months ago uh, my wife and i went to a department store to purchase a grill now she's from brooklyn i'm from queens we don't know nothing about a grill but we had just got a house with a backyard well, what we in New York would consider a backyard. And what do you do when you have that much space? You get a grill. That's what people do. I've, I've seen it in movies. People in Texas, they have grills in their backyard. So I figured I need myself a grill. But because I don't know anything about no grill, I, when I went into the department store, I wasn't trying to find a grill. I was trying to find some help. I saw a guy. I said, sir, can you help me? The reason why I asked him this is because his shirt said, how can I help you? I thought to myself, this is my guy. He's going to help me. He said, I'll be right back. I said, great, I'll wait right here. And I waited. And my waiting turned into impatience. And now what was supposed to be a few seconds turned into a few minutes. And what was a few minutes now felt like centuries. Now, I also have no problem admitting that I am an impatient person. So it could have only been 10 seconds. But again, Queens, New York, it felt like 50, you know. So now I'm looking for my guy. I'm not staying here anymore. He told me to stay and wait. Nope, you lied, but I'm gonna come get you. So now I start walking up and down the aisles looking for my guy. And the best part is other people were coming up to me, other employees saying, sir, can I help you? And I'm just stubborn. I'm like, nope, I want my guy. He said he was going to help me. I want his help. I don't want your help. I don't want your help. Where's my guy? Can't find him anywhere. Nowhere to be found. Then as I'm going to and fro up and down these aisles, I see a door. It says for employees only. Well, I marched right through those doors, looked to my right, and there was my guy sitting down on a milk crate, eating a cheeseburger, and smoking a cigarette. Like, how disgusting is that, by the way? Just, you know? I don't know what that was, by the way, but anyway. And I go, hey, guy. I'm waiting. And he says, Ah, oh, I'm on break. Good help is hard to find. You can anticipate or expect that you're going to receive the help that you thought you would get from a certain person because of how they presented themselves, and yet, When you don't meet it, you end up frustrated, which is why we yelp how we yelp, and it's why we blog how we blog. It's why we will bash a restaurant or recommend a restaurant. Why? Because certain help is there, and other times it's not. And what I'm feeling in my spirit is that there are many people in this room that have brought those same sentiments into the church, and you have found yourself frustrated. You have found yourself overwhelmed. You have found yourself perplexed because you do not seem to be finding the help you want from your God. But can I tell you that that is not true? Your God is the greatest help there is. He is the best help in time of trouble. He is as close to the mention of his name. He finds himself close to the brokenhearted. All you have to do is call out on his name and he will be there to help you. Am I the only one that believes this? Or is there anybody in the room that would say, there is no helper like the help I find in my God? Come on, if that's you, give him a shout right now. Just... And yet, although you hear people clap, applaud and respond, you don't know if you totally agree because you're perplexed, you're frustrated. And you're annoyed. Here you are dealing with what you're dealing with. You're in the middle of a crisis. You're in the middle of a hardship. You are in the middle of a storm. The rain is coming down. The thunder is thundering. The lightning is striking. And you are completely overwhelmed. And you do not understand why it has yet to stop. But can I tell you that maybe, just maybe, The one that you are seeking salvation from is the one that has you there. You keep saying, God, would you stop the storm? Might I suggest to you that you're asking the wrong question? Maybe the question is not, can you stop the storm? But maybe the question is, God, why the storm? Why is this happening? How long am I going to deal with this? What do I need to do? Why is this going on in my life? Friends, can you imagine the very one that you are asking, the very one that you are seeking, the very one you are begging to, to stop the storm you're in, is actually the one that has you there. But might I also suggest that the very reason that He has you there is actually the help that you need? You're saying, God, help me by taking me away from the storm. And what he's saying is, I'm helping you by keeping you in it. Would you stop it? Would you stop it? Would you stop it? Would you, would you put this storm to the end? And you know what God is saying? You want me to stop the storm. But son, daughter, I am the storm. You want it to stop, but he wants you where he wants you. Not every storm in your life was sent to you by Satan. Not every storm in your life was started by Satan. There are storms in your life that you brought upon yourself because of the decisions you made. See, you want the storm to stop in the relationship, but God doesn't want you in the relationship you want the storm to stop at your job but God doesn't want you in the job God wants you want the storm to stop in your home because you want to purchase your new home and you want to get in that place and God's saying I don't want you in that home I don't want you living in that area I never called you to start that business I never told you to get involved in the relationship and you want me to bless you after the fact but I don't operate like that I don't bless you after the fact you can't just put my name what you want to put my name on put your obedience on my name and go where I'm telling you to go and live where I'm telling you to live and work where I'm telling you to work and live where I'm telling you to live you don't get the house of your dreams you get the house of my plans you don't get the relationship of your dreams, you get the relationship of my plans. You don't get what you want because you want it and then decide to bring me in on the back end. I am God and I have planned all of your days and your whole life. I have authored and narrated each and every day of your life. I know what your Monday is supposed to look like and your Wednesday's supposed to look like and your twenties is supposed to look like and your thirties is supposed to look like and your sixties is supposed to look like. I know No, you want what you want, but I do not operate like that. Oh, would you stop the storm? You want the storm to stop? Then get the stepping in the right direction that he has for you. Get to where he wants you to be. You're saying, God, stop it like you didn't start it. You're saying God ended like you didn't put yourself here. You are here because you are here. You didn't want to wait any longer. You didn't want to be patient any longer. You didn't want to live in that crock pot. You were settling for a microwave version of what you thought your life could be because you were trolling and scrolling on Instagram and you were seeing how everybody else is living. And you said, well, when is it going to be my turn? So I'm going to make it my turn. It doesn't work like that. He says, I have for you what I have for you, and I'll give it to you when I want to give it to you. But you don't get to tell me what you want, when you want it. I want your life to come in agreement with my plans, not the other way around. Your body is not your own. You, you thought you owned you. I bought you at a price, he's saying to you. I created you. You weren't created to live out your purpose. You were created to live out my purpose. You were created to honor me. You were created to worship me. And not just with your mouth. And not with just the songs of your hallelujah. But let your life sing hallelujah. Let your actions sing hallelujah. Show me where you're living. Allow that to sing hallelujah. Allow your marriage to sing hallelujah. Allow the way you raise your children to sing hallelujah. allow the fact that you don't accept the job because that wasn't the job for you even though you're making triple this is not about being successful in the physical sense but being successful in the spiritual sense looks very different than what the world puts on paper That's the reason why it's not working. That's the reason why the rain isn't stopping. That's the reason why you don't get along with your boss. That's the reason why it's not taking off. That's the reason why you don't have any peace. That's the reason why. Because you want to show up and not be here. If you are in this church, you are a part of this church. Well, I'm going to Embassy City and I just feel like, you know, there's something I'm missing. Why is it you have yet to start serving? Why is it you have yet to start tithing? Why is it that you could come receive week after week a full meal and still think it's okay not to contribute? I, you wouldn't let someone over your house more than three times if on the third time you invited them over. They won't bring a bunk cake. They won't, they won't bring a bottle of soap. They won't bring something like, like you're not a guest anymore. Start contributing. Is this too honest or should I stop? You. You tell me. you're here then be here then 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 serve here you want peace in your life then serve God serve his bride be the man that he's called you to be be the woman that he's called you to be we need help in the children's department get involved in the children's department we need help with the worship team get involved in the worship team we need help with the youth ministry get involved in the youth ministry start the small group don't just come and take a seat come and pick up a seat where can I put it how can I clean how can I help you want the peace of God then start living like Jesus I came to serve not be served and you can't figure out why you have no peace there's an assignment on your life and you're neglecting it you thought salvation was the totality of your existence no no no, you didn't get saved for you he saved you for him he saved you so that you could be used for His name's sake, so that you could be used for His glory, so that your life could bring Him glory, and honor. that's why you're saved. There's an assignment on your life, and you know it. He told you to go this way. You went that way. He told you to go over here, and you went over there. Friends, you don't get to be saved and not assigned. You don't. You don't get to follow Jesus and then not follow Jesus. You don't get to say, "I'm a believer but then your actions say otherwise, if If you're a believer, you believe he knows best. So if he is asking you to give up of your time, if he is asking you to give up of your finances, if he is asking you to give up of your life and help these people and go to the prisons and go pray with people in the hospital and and offer a ride to so-and-so, not because it benefits you, but because it brings praise to him. So he's asking you to do it and you keep saying, no, well, what's the difference between you and a Jonah? Because to be asked to do something and go the opposite way puts you in the same boat. No pun intended. He was in that boat, a boat he should have never been in. And we know what happens. He tries to sleep. <laughs> you, you ever met someone that tries to sleep through obedience? You ever, you ever met someone? You, maybe you know someone. Maybe you are someone. Kids are crying. You prefer to sleep. Can we talk about it? You're trying to find sleep. You, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather just, instead of deal with life, I'm going to sleep. It's, it's 12 in the afternoon, but you're sleeping. It's 2 in the afternoon, but you're, you're sleeping. And can I tell you that, that that could come to an end if you're just willing to wake up? See, the irony here is that you're sleeping, hoping to find rest. But friends, there's a great difference between rest and sleep. Jonah was depressed. That's the only way that he could sleep through this storm. It was his storm. He was was trying to run from the will of God. He heard very clearly. God wanted him to go preach his good news to these people. And Jonah deemed it important that these men and women should not receive this message. So he went the other direction, which is always amazing, by the way, when we start to pick and choose who should receive a word from God and who shouldn't receive a word from God. As if we are better than them and greater than them, as if they're not good enough or great enough. But what you don't realize is that he died for all people, not just your people, not just these people, but all people. Do you know what the word all means in Greek and Hebrew? All. He died for all people. And there's an assignment on your life, whether you realize it or not, whether it's in full-time ministry from the preaching or worshiping sense or from working where you're working outside of the church. God has called you to be a minister. He has called you to raise up children, but yet you're trying to sleep. And the reason why you're sleeping is because you're hoping by the time you wake up, maybe it'll all be over. But if you want it to end, you don't sleep through it. You obey through it. See, there's a great difference between when Jonah slept in the bottom of the boat and when Jesus slept in the bottom of the boat. Remember when Jesus slept in the bottom of the boat and everyone's freaking out and he's, he said to them, hey, let's sail, let's get in this boat, we're going to go to the other side. But in the middle of getting to the other side, what happens? A storm comes, the disciples start freaking out and they're saying, how could you sleep through all of this? And then, and then Jesus gets up like Jesus does and he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. I honestly believe that the be still was for the storm and the peace was for the disciples. Peace, be still. I speak peace over your life because you're freaking out right now like storms don't happen. There are some storms that are going to be a part of your journey, but you should have the peace of God. Then there are other storms that, if you're not willing to step into the role that God has for you, that rain's going to keep coming down. Jonah was hoping to find peace, but friends, can I tell you, you will never find peace where God is not. There is no peace outside of the will of God. There there is no peace where God isn't. You are hoping to to do what you want and still find peace. You're not going to find peace in that relationship. You're not going to find peace in that job. You're not going to find peace in that marriage. You're not going to find peace in that house. No matter how many extra spare bedrooms there are and how much extra backyard there is, and no matter how nice the schools are, you are not going to find peace. Why? Because the peace of God is only in the presence of God, and you don't get to do what you want and still... He'll reap the benefits of God he slept he slept he he was sleeping he was he was trying to, he, he was trying to sleep through it but you cannot sleep through obedience and today is the day where you get your rest back but you got to wake up you ever sleep so long and you wake up more tired that's that kind of sleep You're just sleeping, hoping that the days go on. Eventually something will click. It's not going to just click like by osmosis. It's going to click by obedience. The moment you start obeying, that is where you will find your rest. That is where you will find your peace. Because when you are in the middle of the center of God's will, it does not matter. Come hell or high water. It doesn't matter if there's lightning and thunder. It doesn't matter how bad it seems. Oh, but when you're not, God said go this way and he paid to go this way. God said, I want you to go in this direction. He said, I'm going in the opposite direction. He was sailing to a place called Tarshish, which say that three times fast. You know what the name actually means? It means seacoast town. The irony. God wanted him In the center of his will. But he was willing to settle for the seacoast. He was willing to settle for the perimeter. When I think about Christians that know how to go to church on a Sunday... And they hear the preacher preaching, and they hear the people talking about the tithe and the offering, and they hear the announcements about someone serving and helping, and they they listen and they're saying, "Oh, that's not really for me. I'm I'm more of a Tarshish Christian. I'm I'm more of a Seacoast Christian. Just let me hang out on the perimeter. I, I know you want me dead in the middle, but I, I'm I'm not really going to do that. Let someone else go to Nineveh. I'm I'm cool over here. And it's amazing. It's amazing because we want every benefit that comes with being in the center of God's will, but at the same same time we settle for the seacoast and i am tired of all the seacoast christians that are just showing up and coasting through life and they are missing out on everything it is that god has for them all because of their stubbornness refuting to be obedient to what god is calling them to and you're trying to find peace but friends peace is only in the center of the will of god not on the seacoast of it He is calling you. He's saying, this is the time where you come deeper. I'm, I want to go deeper with you. You want to go deeper with me? Then jump in. It's time to jump in. It's, it's time to get to where I'm calling you. It's time to jump in. It's time, it's time to jump in. And here's the beauty of the grace of God. You want to talk about grace power. Ooh. Sovereignty is the grace of God. Sovereignty is when everything works out for his glory. So even when... You choose to go the opposite direction of what God has called you to do. Sovereignty says, I'm going to work it out to still give you an allowance or a chance to get back to where I want you to be. You know, that's how the story works, right? So they, they throw him over the ship and he ends up sinking through the water. And then a mighty fish, a whale comes and swallows him up. Friends, the whale was not the bad guy. The whale was salvation because the whale kept him from drowning. And the whale then brings him back to the exact place Listen, where he started to run from God. So in his try, in his in his journey to get away from God, God sent a massive fish to swallow him up just to put him back to the very place where he wanted him to be. Friends, that is sovereignty. That's that that's that's God working all things out so that he could get his glory. Friends, the fact that God would still use him, that's grace. See, you keep saying it's too late, I bought my ticket. But who cares about the price of your ticket because you were bought at a price? It says he bought a price to go the opposite direction. But here's what's so great about the price that Jesus paid. It outweighed any ticket you could have ever purchased. It outweighed any choice you could ever make. It outweighs any decision you would have ever made. And even though you wanted to go left and you put some investments into that business and you already put some time into that relationship, God says, I already bought you. And what I paid, it maxes out the price that you paid for what you thought was gonna get you away from me. And now, listen, now you wanna get back to me and you don't know how to get back to me because I've invested so much into this. But what you don't realize is how much God has invested into you oh the grace of God you were bought at a price which is why you don't get to do what you want to do it's why you don't get to live how you want to live because you, you, you do know God only does plan A he doesn't do plan B. He doesn't, he doesn't do plan U. He, he does plan A. He has one way he wants to do things. He has one place that he has for you. You could have been running your entire life. It doesn't matter because guess what? He's turning it all around to get everything back to where he wants it to be. And I'm telling you, this is the word. This is the word that God told me that I needed to share with you. Because there are people in this room, because of past experiences, because of several excuses that you may concoct, you have stopped dead in your journey of being a part of Embassy City Church and playing the role that you're called to play here. Literally, the Holy Spirit told me that in the 9 a.m. service. So there are going to be people in this one o'clock that have been attending and would say this is their church. But well, what homeowner? Owns a home and doesn't invest into it. If you just show up to stay and expect everything else to be done, you're not a homeowner. You're staying at a hotel. There's a big difference. At a hotel, I don't gotta worry about the towels. I don't I don't gotta worry about making the bed. Someone else is gonna do that for me. But but are but are we getting ownership here? Are we are we just looking to stay and go and we'll go as we please. And God said, No, 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 I'm calling you to I'm calling this to be yours. This is your house. You need to start being a part of it. You need to start getting into the leadership of it. You needed to really become the disciples that I'm calling you to be. You need to make yourself available and not just do what you want to do, but you got to get involved. And at, at the same time, there are people in this room, oh, you've been running. You've been running, you've been running, you've been running. You've been trying to get to where you want to go. You've been trying to invest into that relationship. You're trying to make the relationship happen. But can I tell you the reason why it's not happening is because it was never supposed to happen and when we find ourselves trying to make things happen that were never supposed to happen you will find yourself in the middle of a storm in fact you will find yourself in the middle in the middle of the eye of the storm because you are the eye of the storm you are the reason of the storm the reason why that storm exists is because of you some storms they come from the enemy other storms you could stop you know what storms those are those are the storms when God is calling you to go this direction you actually go that direction when you go in the direction that God is calling you to go in oh you will find rest his yoke is easy his his burden is light but what you're living right now, you won't sustain, you won't make it. You're going to crash down, you're going to burn, you're going to backslide, you're going you're gonna to church hop, you're going you're gonna to find an excuse, all because of disobedience. Worship team, can you join me? Hmm. I shared in the other services that when I was seven years old, a pastor by the name of Pastor Jim Simbola prophesied over me. He told me that I would grow up to be a pastor. I knew that at seven years old that he was right. I hated that he was right. I spent the rest of my life into my early 20s trying to sabotage my calling. Anyone ever been there? I tried to sabotage it. I tried to show God why he couldn't use me. So I made a whole lot of mistakes. I got involved in a whole lot of things just to show God, see, God, you can't use me. It's not going to happen with me. You could only run, but for so long. I remember, I remember when I finally gave my life to Jesus in 2003. Sorry, 2004. I remember being reminded of the calling. And I say, God, I'll give my life to you, but I don't want to do what you're asking me to do, which is so ironic, right? Because how could I give my life to you and then tell you what to do with my life? So I start on this route. I end up going to four colleges, one of them twice. And no, I'm not a doctor. All because of disobedience. I'm 11 credits away from my psych degree. I didn't complete it because that degree would have been in disobedience. God called me to be a pastor. I told God, I'll, I'll help people through psychology. I'll help them through therapy. I just I don't want to get on stage. I, I had, studied, I had uh, struggled with a learning disability as a kid. I had a stuttering problem as a kid. I, I never thought I would be able to get on stage and preach. I, in fact, I didn't want to. So then I commit, surrender, become a youth pastor. God does something marvelous and this movement is birthed out of our church called Misfit goes around the world and back and we have no idea how it happened. And then almost 11 years in God starts to deal with me. I remember being at a conference in Australia. There was thousands of people there. Bishop T.D. Jakes was preaching although it had nothing to do with Bishop's sermon. God just started to speak to me. It was like no one else was actually in that arena anymore. And God says to me, you're going to be the senior pastor of Christ's Tabernacle, your parents' church. And I heard it so clear. And I said, no way, God. I know I'm supposed to be a pastor, but not there because, well, there are already plans for my older brother to become the pastor. It didn't seem to make sense. So I go home, I tell my wife, She says, knowing what she knows, she goes, how about we just hide it in our hearts? Let's not say anything to anybody. We'll pray. If it's God's will, it'll happen. Go fair. A couple months later, I'm back in Australia and um, headed to preach at a conference. And I'm in a car with the other guest speaker by a man you would know pretty well. Pastor Tim Ross. Pastor Tim goes, Chris. Chris. I was praying for you this morning. Holy Spirit wanted me to ask you, what are you doing next after youth ministry? I said, oh man, I don't know. No idea what I'm supposed to do next. And he goes, yeah, you're going to tell your dad you're going to you're gonna leave the church and then he's going to give you the church. I said, Tim, that's nuts. I said, first off, and I started giving him the explanation that my brother was already set and things were, decisions were already made. And, you know, you know your pastor. So him being your pastor goes, hey, shh. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, okay? Don't argue with me. And I said, fair. I leave where we were in Australia and I now fly to New Zealand. And I preach there for a week. And as I'm done preaching for a man named Pastor John Cameron of Arise Church, Pastor John asks me, before I'm about to get in the car to the airport, hey, Chris, what are you doing next? I go, man, that's the question of the hour. He goes, yeah, Holy Spirit told me to tell you. Tell your dad you're going to leave, and then he's going to give you the church. I went, ha, <laughs> ha, fly home a few months later I'm back in Australia I don't know what it is about this hemisphere preaching at a conference matter of fact that last night Bishop Jakes was preaching and after he's done preaching we're walking to his green room another pastor by the name of Pastor Sergio Delamore comes up to me and goes Chris What are you doing next? I just said, man. (sniffs) (laughs) Can't even get words out. You know what I mean? Like, (sighs) here we go. He goes, Holy Spirit told me to tell you. Tell your dad you're going to leave. He's going to give you the church. Fly home. You know what I do? Nothing. I don't tell my dad anything. In fact, during that time, we're trying to figure out where my wife and I are going to go because I knew I was done with youth ministry and me and my dad and my brother are trying to figure out should I go plan a church should I maybe plan a campus but none of it feels right none of it feels good and can I tell you that in that season there was this storm this constant storm there was there was no peace there was nothing good coming out of it my wife and I are arguing I'm not parenting how I need to parent I'm I'm overwhelmed by life I feel like quitting I want to give up because it just feels like too much until finally finally September of that year 3 years ago I go guys I'm leaving I'm going to go to Nashville my friends there just recently planted a church They said they'll they'll have me on staff and then I'll travel I, I never wanted to be a traveling pastor by the way I said I'll travel I'll, I'll do that We go to Nashville children, wife, to look for a home. We're not moving there, but we're going to scout the land. And would you know, on that trip, after looking at different places, and taking it all in, and looking at the church, and talking to pastor friends on that last night, my dad calls me. Which, by the way, he has no idea about any of the things that I just shared at that time. Son, Feel that we actually made a mistake. Holy Spirit told me that you had to take our church. Please don't move to Nashville. Would you come home? I said, yeah, Dad. Come home. But man, can I tell you how many unnecessary arguments. How many unnecessary awkward dinners? How many unnecessary debates and frustrations and and missed out moments all because I refused God had to give me the word and then give me the word through three other people and I still didn't do it because it didn't seem to make sense to me friends can I tell you that the assignment on your life does not need to make sense to you it only needs the obedience from you and I don't know who I'm talking to but you've been hoping for peace you've been hoping for rest but you are not gonna find rest until you fully surrender he says I want you to give me your life I want you to give me your heart I want you to give you your mind body and soul I want you to be in the center of my will I want you in the relationship that I wrote up for you I want you to serve the church how I called you to serve the church I want you to live where I want you to live stop trying to make it happen on your own because all these storms they could stop if you could just surrender There are dozens of people in this room that you're in the middle of the storm and you know that you know that it's a God storm because you have been disobedient. I can feel it in my heart. feel dozens. It's a number that keeps popping up. Whoever you are, come to this altar right now. We're going to pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.